Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time around. To celebrate Ringo Starr's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Tonight we're going to have a special Ringo Starr edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown, showcasing some of his best moments as a singer, songwriter, and drummer. We're going to begin tonight's show with Starr's feature from the Please Please Me LP, Boys. From their first album, the Beatles always tried to give Ringo a feature on each album, and it happened on nearly every LP. The Hard Day's Night and Let It Be LPs being the only ones to not have a Ringo song. That is if you count Flying as one of his, because his voice is so prominent, and he did get a writing credit. The Beatles never had an issue with covering songs that were originally sung by girl groups. In fact, they quite enjoyed it. They sang the Phil Spector penned Teddy Bears hit, To Know Him Is To Love Him, The Cookies Chains, Little Eva's The Locomotion, The Donnay's Devil In His Heart, The Marvelettes Please Mr. Postman, as well as the Shirelles Will You Love Me Tomorrow and Baby It's You. But boys would prove to be the only one that didn't completely benefit from the gender switch in the lyrics. While all of the other songs could easily be sung by a male or female, the chorus of boys contains the What a Bundle of Joy line, making it a bit awkward for a male vocalist. Luckily, it wasn't an issue for the group, as they cared more about the sound of a song than its lyrics. Paul spoke of it in the Beatles anthology. It was a little embarrassing because it went, I'm talking about boys, yeah, yeah, boys. It was a Shirelle set, and they were girls singing it, but we never thought we should call it girls just because Ringo was a boy. We just sang it the way they'd sung it, and never considered any implications. The song was originally a Pete Best spotlight, and according to McCartney, one of the highlights of their live show. Ironically, Ringo sang the song with his former group Rory Storm and the Hurricanes, so it was an easy fit. Recorded in one take, Boys truly captured the raucousness of a live show and arguably contains the best Harrison solo on the album. Boys has the distinction of being the only 12-bar blues on their debut LP, and although the Beatles stick to the original in form, they inject an excitement that is lacking in the Shirelles version. Their early covers of R&B songs are often edgier, with guitars substituting for piano and horns, and grooves played with more of a straight-ahead rock feel. At times, the shuffle or swing of the original is dropped in favor of a more driving force on the drums. For this mix, it's all-star, featuring his vocals and drums, along with the backing vocals of the other three Beatles. Next up, stars feature from the Beatles' fourth LP, Beatles for Sale, Honey Don't. After recording their first LP to only contain original songs, A Hard Day's Night, the group returned to the formula of their first two albums with eight originals and six covers. Funnily, McCartney somewhat defensively states that we like the old numbers when questioned by Brian Matthew for BBC Radio's Saturday Club about the return of cover songs on Beatles for Sale. During the interview, which was recorded on November 25, 1964, and broadcast on Boxing Day, Paul was asked why they hadn't recorded all originals for the album, and he responded that they've always done it, actually. The only time we've done all of our own numbers was on a hard day's night. Aside from Act Naturally and Dizzy Miss Lizzie on their fifth LP help and their quick rendition of Maggie May on Let It Be, the group would not record any more cover tunes. Honey Don't was written by Carl Perkins and was originally released on January 1st, 1956 as the B-side to Blue Suede Shoes. The song features a flat six chord, an odd chord choice following a one chord, and initially Perkins' brother, guitarist Jay Perkins, refused to play it, thinking that it sounded too strange but Carl eventually convinced him that it was something new, and it was left in. The Beatles first used this chord progression in It Won't Be Long, and it created one of the signature Beatles sounds, foreshadowing the move from pop to rock very early in the 60s. The use of the flat six chord, or flat submedian, in Beatles music would be mentioned in the famous London Times article by critic William Mann in December 1963. In his end-of-the-year article, What Songs the Beatles Sang, he stated that those submedian switches are a trademark of Lennon-McCartney songs. They do not figure much in other pop repertoires or in the Beatles' arrangement of borrowed material and show signs of becoming a mannerism. While not necessarily a mannerism, the chord would be heard in 4 out of 22 original songs at that time, nearly 20%, and was definitely a sound that Lennon and McCartney were fond of. Lennon originally sang Honey Don't and performed it twice on BBC Radio and in live performances before passing it over to Ringo. A few years earlier, Lennon did the same thing with Roll Over Beethoven, and after singing it for years, he gave it to George as a solo spot. For this mix, we'll feature Starr's vocals, along with guitars during the solo sections. 
We'll move ahead to 1965 and the first song to feature Ringo Starr as a songwriter, What Goes On. The song was written originally by Lennon in the Quarrymen days and was considered briefly as a follow-up to the Please Please Me single in early 1963. They planned on recording it on March 5, 1963, but they only had time to record three songs, From Me to You, Thank You Girl, and an early version of One After 909. In 1965, the song was resurrected as Starr's vocal piece for Rubber Soul. According to Lennon, it was resurrected with a middle eight thrown in, probably with Paul's help, but since there is no formal middle eight in the song, he's probably referring to the extended chorus and verse. Starr contributed to the lyrics, his first ever composing credit, on a Beatles song. However, when asked what his contribution was to the song, Starr jokingly stated, about five words, and I haven't done a thing since. It was released as the B-side of Nowhere Man in the U.S., but unfortunately for Starr, the first pressing of the single accidentally omitted Starkey in the songwriting credit. The Rubber Soul version was recorded in one take with overdubs on November 4, 1965, and was one of the last songs recorded for the album. In the verse before the lead break, after Starr sings Tell Me Why, Lennon could be heard We Already Told You Why, in reference to the Beatles' song Tell Me Why from the previous year. This country and western flavor tune has superb Harrison guitar and tasty backing vocals from John and Paul. This mix will feature vocals and Harrison's rockabilly-ish twang. a trip around the world hey hey You wish the doggone sweet You got that sand all over your feet But uh-huh Well, honey, don't Honey, don't Honey, don't Honey, don't Honey, don't I say you will when you won't Uh-uh, honey, don't 
Oh, rock on, George. One time for me. Saturday night, Sunday morning, you don't look right. You've been out painting the town, uh uh, baby, been stepping around, but uh uh, well, honey, don't. I'll say it, honey, don't. Honey, don't. Honey, don't. Honey, don't. I'll say you will when you won't. Ah uh, ah, uh, honey, don't. I'll rock on George Beringo one time. The 1966 Revolver LP was revolutionary in a number of ways, and the album had many firsts for the Beatles and for the rock world in general. It was also a first, and a last, for Ringo Starr, the only time that a Ringo vocal song was chosen as the A-side of a single. Yellow Submarine would prove to be so popular that in 1968 an animated film was made based on the song. McCartney elaborated on its origins in Barry Miles many years from now. I was laying in bed in the Asher's garret, and there's a nice twilight zone just as you're drifting into sleep and as you wake from it. 
I always find it quite a comfortable zone. You're almost asleep, you've laid your burdens down for the day, and there's this little limbo land just before you slip into sleep. I remember thinking that a children's song would be quite a good idea, and I thought of images. And the color yellow came to me, and a submarine came to me, and I thought, well, that's kind of nice, like a toy, very childish yellow submarine. I was thinking of it as a song for Ringo, which it eventually turned out to be, so I wrote it as not too rangy in the vocal. I just made up a little tune in my head, then started making a story, sort of an ancient mariner, telling the young kids where he lived, and how there'd been a place where he had a yellow submarine. I quite like children's things. I like children's minds and imagination. So it didn't seem uncool to me to have a pretty surreal idea that was also a children's idea. I thought also, with Ringo being so good with children, a knockabout uncle type, it might not be a bad idea for him to have a children's song rather than a very serious song. He wasn't that keen on singing. After the basic track and lead and backing vocals were recorded on May 26, 1966, the group returned to the song on June 1st. Friends including Mick Jagger, Brian Jones, Marion Faithful, and George's wife Patty added the sing-along chorus as well as atmospheric party sounds, and Rody Mal Evans hit a large marching band bass drum. Engineer Jeff Emmerich spoke of the session in his book Here, There, and Everywhere. The cupboard under the stairs in Studio 2 had everything. Chains, ship bells, handbells from wartime, tap dancing mats, whistles, hooters, wind machines, thunderstorm machines, everything. The entire EMI collection of percussion instruments and sound effects boxes were strewn all over the studio, with people grabbing bells and whistles and gongs at random. Next, we'll hear another famous Ringo song written by Lennon and McCartney, with a little help from my friends. In late 1966, on a flight back to London from Nairobi, Paul had an idea for the Beatles' new album to create an alter ego for the Beatles named Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. McCartney elaborated in the Beatles anthology. I took an idea back to the guys in London. As we're trying to get away from ourselves, to get away from touring and into a more surreal thing, how about if we become an alter ego band? Something like, say, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts. I've got a little bit of a song cooking with that title. In keeping with the idea of an alter ego group performing rather than the Beatles, at the end of Sgt. Pepper, another character is introduced, the only one apart from Sgt. Pepper to be named. While the idea of Billy Shears might have been established when they finished the title track on March 6, 1967, by the end of the month, the song that was being introduced had not been written yet. Since it was going to be Ringo's feature on the album, Lennon and McCartney knew that they had to write something very specific. The majority of With a Little Help From My Friends was written during two different sessions at John's house and finished in the studio on March 29th, the day it was recorded. It would be the last song recorded for the album. Both of these songs will be true remixes with elements coming in and out. Two Ringo classics. One, two, three. In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told us of his life In the land of submarines So we sailed unto the sun Till we found the sea of green and we live beneath the waves in our yellow submarine. We all live in a yellow submarine, yellow submarine, yellow submarine. We all live in a yellow submarine, yellow submarine, yellow submarine. And our friends are all aboard. Many more of them live next door And the band begins to play We all live in a yellow submarine Yellow submarine, yellow submarine We all live in a yellow submarine Yellow submarine Yellow submarine. As we live a life of ease, every one of us has all we need. Sky of blue and sea of green In our yellow submarine We all live in a yellow submarine Yellow submarine, yellow submarine 
We all live in a yellow submarine, a yellow submarine, yellow submarine. We all live in a yellow submarine, yellow submarine, yellow submarine. We're going to switch gears and focus on Ringo Starr, the drummer. The next five songs will take us from 1965's Ticket to Ride to 1967's I Am the Walrus. The one thing they have in common? Some of the most innovative drum parts in rock music. Ticket to Ride was what Lennon described as a heavy record, one of the earliest heavy metal records made. Paul's contribution was the way Ringo played the drums. While McCartney probably suggested the original beat, Starr changed the groove on each verse significantly, making for quite an inventive part. The next song, She Said, She Said, has what many, including Starr, consider to be his best drum performance on record. The circular fills and his weaving through multiple time signatures shows a maturity that would continue to develop over the next few years. The next song, Strawberry Feels Forever, was attempted on four separate occasions with quite different results. Eventually, Lennon decided that he liked the first half of the third version and the second half of the fourth, and wanted them joined together. Although they were in different keys and tempos, producer George Martin and engineer Jeff Emmerich realized that if they sped up the third version and slowed down the fourth, that they could in fact be edited together. Starr's drumming on all versions was quite remarkable. But the final version would prove to be the perfect blend of two very different drumming styles. We'll follow with one of Starr's most imitated drum grooves in the history of rock and roll, A Day in the Life. Interestingly, his entire drum part was overdubbed, being that he played bongos on the basic track. We'll end with what might be the first hip-hop drum track, the groove of I Am The Walrus. Besides the stellar groove, the drum fills are incredibly creative, crossing bar lines left and right, and laying the basis for one of the Beatles' most revered recordings. All of these mixes will focus on the drums, along with other vocals and instruments coming in at key sections. Some of Star's Stars. (laughs) 
close the show with two songs that truly show the versatility of Ringo as a drummer, Helter Skelter and Here Comes the Sun. The first is arguably the heaviest song the Beatles ever recorded, and definitely gave Starr a workout. In 1967, The Who's Pete Townsend was interviewed for Guitar Player magazine, and he described their latest single, I Can See for Miles, as the loudest, rawest, dirtiest song The Who had ever recorded. McCartney decided to outdo The Who and record something louder and crazier. On November 20th, 1968, two days before the release of The Beatles, McCartney gave Radio Luxembourg an exclusive interview in which he commented on several of the album's songs. Speaking of Helter Skelter, he said, That came about just because I'd read a review of a record which said, And this group really got us wild. There's echo on everything. They're screaming their heads off. And I just remember thinking, Oh, it'd be great to do one. Pity they've done it. Must be great. Really screaming record. And then I heard their record, and it was quite straight. 
and it was very sort of sophisticated. It wasn't rough and screaming and tape echo at all. So I thought, oh well, we'll do one like that then. And I had this song called Helter Skelter, which is just a ridiculous song. So we did it like that, because I like noise. McCartney has often used this song as a response to critics who accuse him of writing only ballads. The song was recorded many times during sessions for the White Album. On July 18, 1968, the group recorded a slow and hypnotic version of the song, lasting 27 minutes and 11 seconds, as well as a 12-minute version, which was edited down to 437 for Anthology 3. On September 9th, 18 takes of approximately 5 minutes each were recorded, and the last one is featured on the White Album. After the 18th take, Starr flung his drumsticks across the studio and screamed, I got blisters on my fingers. The comment would be heard only on the stereo mix of the song. Next up, one of the highlights of the Abbey Road LP, Here Comes the Sun. In the spring of 1969, John, George, and Ringo decided to have American Alan Klein handle their business affairs, but Paul didn't agree and remained loyal to his father-in-law, Lee Eastman. Therefore, meetings at Apple were often fraught with tension, and one day George decided to skip out and visit his friend Eric Clapton at his country estate in Surrey. While strolling through the gardens with one of Clapton's acoustic guitars, he wrote one of his most beautiful compositions, Here Comes the Sun. The song has a tricky time signature change in the middle of the song, but Starr plays through it with such ease that it sounds incredibly smooth. His fills during this section lift the song to new heights and then make the music sound as sunny as the lyrics. Once again, these mixes are drum-heavy, with other instruments and vocals there for support. When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. Where I stop and I turn and I go for a ride. Till I get to the bottom and I see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you, don't you want me to love you? I'm coming down fast, but I'm Come 
I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and you've been listening to the Ringo Starr edition of the Beatles' Multitrack Meltdown. Tune in every Sunday night, 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, to hear more deconstructed mixes, live cuts, and solo recordings. See you next week.